UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Blue Dog Man, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show, and Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Typical Skeptic Today. Um, I have with me uh, Mary Joyce. Uh, she's an investigative journalist. First, our cashiers, UFOs, the secret underground bases from, from investigating. Okay. To clandestine government activity, cosmic clearance. Um, Mary's new sky. Secret with visual evidence of secrets and cover-ups on my floors. That's kind of one, one, kind of why I wanted to do this live. And I think, you know, you guys are really going to enjoy it. And uh I, I just want to give her a big welcome to the show she's been on before. Mary, thank you for coming back on. Hi. How are you? It's always good to talk to you. I want to get your um, uh, followers uh, to understand a little bit more about this book because it's not an ordinary book. There are photos on every page except for three. So it's not like it's a book with new information that you have to wade through a lot of words. There are photos photographic evidence of the secrets and the cover-ups that the government simply doesn't want us to know. And it's in a large format. It's, uh, I deliberately got really good paper so that the details of these cover-ups and secrets can be seen. And it's easy uh, to read because there's so much visual evidence. And that's not like the typical book. And I also want everybody to realize that this is like a mission. Uh, because after working on the website, which we've had since 2008, I have discovered all sorts of things that people simply haven't seen anywhere. And truly, this book is not only brand new, it's, not a, it's brand new information, brand new photos. Uh, it's not a rehash from the past. So many books are today. So it's kind of a, an exciting picture book for grownups. And, and, and just to reiterate that the title of the, this book, it's called Spy in the Sky, which I think is a great title for a book, Secrets and Cover-Ups on Earth and Beyond. And it's packed with visual evidence. If you want to start, if you want to talk about it, it has uh, uh, evidence of Mars, the moon, Antarctica. Where do you want to start with those? Well, if, if I'm not uh, incorrect, I think you have a personal interest in Mars, so I would like to start there. I have a personal I have been sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say I have a purpose, personal interest in the moon too. Like the moon is fascinates me as well. Like there, but Mars is really interesting to me. So I'm sorry. I'll take that back. I'm sorry about that. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff on, going on on Mars that people really don't know about, and um, let's see. One of the things I found uh, just using a tool that everybody in your audience can get for themselves, and it's free, it's Google Earth. I use Google Earth Pro. I have spent, I don't know how many, it's beginning to feel like years, skimming 
the surface of Mars and Antarctica and our oceans and the moon and our sun. And it takes a lot of patience, but what I found is quite incredible. First of all, I have found um, a UFO parked on Mars and it's about three and a half miles in diameter. It's really big. It has a raised center like uh, some of the UFOs we photograph here from the earth. And it casts a shadow on, on Mars, on the planet. So you can clearly see it's parked or just hovered directly above the surface. Then I found two crash sites where you can see that a UFO has come in like this. And one of them has a skid mark that's over 4,000 feet long. And then you can see where the craft has really crashed into the soil of Mars. Uh, and the craft itself is like, I think, um, I, I don't remember all the st statistics off the top of my head, but maybe like 400 feet across or in diameter. And um, there's another one where you can see it's a smaller craft and you can see the skid marks as it's going down like this and then finally collides into the surface of Earth. That's fascinating. But what's more fascinating is that there are, um, there is evidence all over the planet that we have contemporary activity going on right now. I have found a, a habitat in the Northern hemisphere and I found that about, oh, it may have been 2011. Um, whatever's in the book is the correct date, but it's about that time period. And it's about 700 feet in length. Five years later, I'm scanning is this a biosphere, a habitat a, 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 uh, that you know, people can live in. It's very contemporary. It's slightly blurred, but you can tell it's not something that uh, would be part of the terrain of Mars. When I went on a sim similar cruise over the Southern Hemisphere, uh, about five years later, I found a habitat that um, probably was built later. It's about uh, 10 times bigger. It's about 7,000 feet in length. And again, it is, uh, even though it's just slightly blurred, uh, you can tell it's a structure. And before I go any further, uh, let me reach over here and grab something. I want to read something to you. It will be short. No, that's um, fine. We have a lot of time. I have a lot of time. The man who was in charge of um, Israeli security um, space program for nearly 30 years went public uh, about some of the stuff that was going on. And he... Um, provided information to the Jerusalem Post, which is a major respected newspaper in Israel. And in December of 2020, um, he said a couple of things in this article. And uh, there's some lines, there's two lines that stick out and I wanna get them exactly right. One, there's an agreement between the US government and the aliens. Another sentence that stands out. There's an underground base in the depths of Mars where their representatives are and also our American astronauts. Third thing, and then I'll put this down, um, UFOs have asked not to be published that they are here because they feel like humanity is not ready to deal with it. But um, with that in mind, one of the other things I found um, was 27 entrances going into Mars. And I found these in a really strange way. Normally, if you go to a planet, whether it's Earth or whether it's Mars or the moon, you go 
either from right to left or left to right, or east to west or west to east. One day, for some reason, I turned it and started scanning from north to south. If I, by doing that, that's when I found the entrances. And 27 of them are lined up over 16 miles. Each one is square cut. They range in width from uh, about, uh, these are general figures, from about 400 feet to the largest one was a little over 1,000 feet. Clearly big enough for any kind of craft that we know of to fly into. Um, they're a little bit like garage doors, they're square. And you might begin to think that they all look alike. They're not identical because the size of them will change and the, the little details around the edges of them will change. And again, one of the advantages of this book with all the photos is that you can see these things for yourself. And I also give the coordinates for every location that I've found. So anybody who has Google Earth can use those coordinates and find these things for themselves. Um, there's so many people doing uh, Photoshop scams um, that people begin to wonder if what they're seeing is, is real. And so that's the major reason I put the coordinates in there. So you or anybody else can go and check on them. Uh, the first thing I wanted to mention to everything you said was, I, I remember that quote, that was by Haya Meshed, that, that, that Israeli defense minister. Uh, I mentioned his name. Your yeah, I remember he came out with that information. And I thought that that was interesting because, you know, we hear a lot of talk that, you know, there's stuff going on on Mars, but for someone that prominent of a figure to come out and say that there's, you know, stuff going on on Mars, you know, it, it, it struck me in a way that, you know, it resonated with me. Now, let me ask you this. You also said that we have testimony that the some U.S. astronauts are working with ETs on Mars. Is that from Clark McClellan? Or what, what did he say? But do you remember what he, we talked about? With no, him? this is, this is from, the, 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 all right, two answers. Uh, Clark wasn't giving me information of that nature. He was more about the connections with the moon, all right? Um, this statement I just gave you is from Hayam uh, Ashid. And um, he's the one that said that our American astronauts are working with the aliens uh, beneath the surface of Mars. And of course, these 27 entrances certainly support that. What and he, there's other things, for example. Idea. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was trying to get no, an idea no, what no. these uh, entrances look like. I mean, is it enough to fill, fly a craft into a, a plane, a, a UFO, or is it like a man, a man walking entrance, like a, like a door? What does what, what it more look okay. like? Let me mention the, the width, of, the, the width of, of these entrances. The smallest one is 400 feet. Our biggest airplanes, I think, are about like under 300 feet in width. So our, our biggest planes could fly into their smallest entranceway. The biggest entranceway is over 1,000 feet. So these are not like little doors that uh, people can just go peeking into. These are uh, more like aircraft carrier entrances. Yeah. Wow, this is amazing. Now, what do you think about the fact that people say that it's uninhabitable on Mars? Or do you think that's just something we're being told? Uh, their atmosphere certainly has been diminished in the past by some devastating thing. Some people think it was a nuclear war. Some people say that um, um, the Astro Belt, when it blew up or exploded, that it blew up the atmosphere of Mars, which is right next to it. Uh, either way, there's been some drastic thing in Mars past. 
So if there's much atmosphere there, I suspect it's not enough for we humans to survive. And that's why they're having, I'm guessing, I'm guessing at this point, that's why they're having self-contained habitats uh, where they can, human beings can live within those. And then they would just like wear spacesuits when they're outside of uh, the habitat. Uh, I, I, to the best of my knowledge, the atmosphere would not support you or me. Now, do you think these biospheres have like maybe like what we would call breakaway civilization in them? Um, my understanding is that uh, our government, which doesn't want to talk about it, uh, has a very active program going on there with our astronauts. So they, for some reason, do not want us regular people to know about it. But there are plenty of reports that um, that kind of activity is going on. And of course, these two habitats uh, certainly feed that, the entrances feed that. And then I found um, another time, again, when I'm cruising the planet, um, I found um, it looks like a city. And they're square cut boxes like you would see in a city. Um, the edges are very sharp, which would indicate to me that it's contemporary, not old, because as things get old, the edges tend to get a little bit um, worn down. And once I posted that on our website, skyshipsovercashers.com, um, almost instantly that was uh, changed on Google Earth. And the original picture is two um, uh, photo strips of Mars and the structure overlaps both of them. You can see it in both strips. The day or two after that was posted, there was one strip that was totally unrelated that had been put in there. I mean, totally different terrain. And the other one, the other half of it, they simply had blurred it so you could no longer see the box shapes. And uh, that's the reason, that is an example of the kind of cover-up that's happening. And I've experienced it a lot when we posted things on the Skyship website, uh, because within a day sometimes of putting it on the website, Google Earth will have been changed so that it's not identifiable anymore. I mean, I know we hear about the secret space program and stuff, but uh, what, one thing that I always found interesting was um, Laura Eisenhower. I follow her, you know, her great grandfather was Dwight Eisenhower, the president. I follow her channel and I like her material that she puts out, but she said at one point she was recruited to go off Mars and live off planet. Which and I I don't think she had any reason to lie about that. You know what I mean? But this just adds more to the fact that there's some bigger cover up going on that they're recruiting people that maybe they want to start some kind of uh, off planet civilization that us folks like you said don't know about. And I, I don't know why. And maybe if it was because maybe there's going to be a cataclysm. I'm not trying to get people scared or anything like that. But we hear stuff about like CME events all the time, solar flares. Uh, everything you know from uh nuclear war to you know every 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 this thing that we're possibly threatened with every day you know so i could see why they would want to start a breakaway civilization right i wouldn't use the word breakaway but it's simply our government is just expanding its efforts there for whatever reason it may be uh as a survival thing for mankind i do not know um we can speculate that but we don't know uh, I don't see it as a breakaway thing because our government's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what would you term a breakaway? Like a Nazi Nazi civilization on Mars would be a breakaway civilization. It would be a civilization that would not be part of an organized government on this planet. <laughs> and I 
the things I'm finding indicate that our government through NASA uh, is very much involved. Uh, one of the things that does puzzle me is why is so much money put into rocketry, which, which clearly is not the way that they're getting to the moon or to, you know, to Mars. They are getting there some other way with a technology uh, that is not available to most of us here on Earth. We've had and, it since uh, the 50s. We've had anti-gravity since I, the 50s, you know? It, and it's they, like this, it's like a, they're trying to distract us with this when all of this is going on. Yeah, I believe that. And I believe wholeheartedly there's a secret space program to how, how far it goes, extent, I, I don't know. I mean, the, this guy wrote these the books behind me, Solar Warden, his name's Peter Fuller. He used like uh, real evidence that he found to uh, to write those books, you know, about the, the Solar Warden program that's supposedly going on and stuff like that. Like, but, um, you know, it, it's really interesting. Like, um, what it, now let me ask you this. We, I never remember we talked about Clark McClellan and Werner von Braun, and they knew about the moon stuff, right? Well, what's interesting about that it, is the fact that the information goes back to the early 60s. Clark McClellan, who was uh, who worked as an uh, aerospace engineer and also was trained as an astronaut so that he could operate space vehicles from mission control if something were to go wrong. And uh, he became friends with Werner von Braun during the Saturn programs. And uh, Werner von Braun, who would be out in Texas most of the time, um, or not, no, in Huntsville, wherever, um, would come to the Kennedy Space Center. And when he did, that's where Clark was, the two of them would get together. They had a mutual interest, not only in engineering, but they both were interested in life beyond the planet. They were both interested in astronomy, um, uh, ETs, all of those kind of things. And so what they would do is when something was going on, um, they would find ways to go out uh, on the beach uh, and sit in lawn chairs or go out to a pool at one of the hotels away from other people. And they would talk about things that they didn't feel comfortable talking about when other people were around. And during those conversations, which went over a period of years because they were really active friends from 59 to 66, um, different things were relayed. And uh, back again, let's keep this time frame in, in mind. This is information Clark McClellan and Werner von Braun were providing in basically the early 60s. Von Braun said that there, uh, we would eventually find evidence of ancient civilizations on Mars. Um, he said that we um, that their life can be supported there in some way or another on Mars. Um, he talked about um, our involvement with ETs back at that point. Um, the Germans were working with the um, ETs from I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Aldebaran. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, and. Uh, it was the knowledge from those ETs that the Nazis were able to build the first man-made UFOs. Why they were uh, involved with the Nazis is up for question, but that particular race of ETs looked human, except in a better form. Uh, there, he wasn't the only one that talked about it. There's another man, um, his name is William Tompkins. He's, he passed away not that long ago. He worked with Werner von Braun at uh, the Space Center and 
um, he talked about there were ETs that were good looking, uh, human looking secretaries for the men who worked there, but they were ETs and they provided the information uh, that helped that space program develop so quickly. And it did uh, back in those days, the developments were fast and furious, faster than you would ever expect um, major jumps in technology. And he, again, affiliated with Werner von Braun, said that um, that was coming from ETs. I remember him talking about that. He talked about the reptilians a lot. And I also remember he talked about that these were like Nordic ETs that kind of helped our government win World War II, right? Which year are we talking about now? No, Tom, talking about uh, when, I, when I heard Tompkins, when I heard his interview with uh, Kerry he Catherine. talked about two different. He talked about two kinds of ETs that were involved. One were the ones that looked like us. Uh, you can call it, I don't know which name would be appropriate. You could call them Nordics, but they're like a better looking version of humans. But there were also um, the bad guys, the uh, reptilians who could apparently shape change. And so they were there sort of like a thorn in the program, at least to some extent. That's so interesting. It's, it's so interesting. So let me ask you this. What else do we know about the moon that, 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 that's, on the, that's on the moon? Uh, first of all, the government or NASA, NASA is, the, is a military branch of our government, even though it sounds like it's some scientific um, organization that's separate. They, that organization has been um, hiding, wiping out, airbrushing out things that have been found on the moon since the beginning of our space program, which goes back many, many decades now. And uh, it's very, very difficult to find things on uh, the moon now. Um, I was able to use Google Earth and find one thing for myself, uh, and it is a white pyramid that is uh, 28 feet wider than a football field on each side. So it's pretty good size. And uh, I give the coordinates of it so other people can find it, but it's still there. For some reason, it hasn't been wiped out. But so much of what's really interesting is on the backside of the moon. And that has been notoriously uh, wiped out. Um, I have a uh, like I said, there's a few pages in the book that don't have pictures. One of those or two of those pages are the testimony of Donna Hare. And Donna Hare went on a Washington, D.C. radio station in 1995 and blew the whistle on the cover-ups that were being done at NASA. She was um, uh, a photographic technician. She was a, a NASA space illustrator. She won many awards. She was well-respected. And um, she went into one, she worked in the photo lab and she went into one of the offices or one of the labs in that building. And I'm, I'm not going to give the long story, but she saw some of the photos or at least one of the photos at that point of a UFO. And that's when she learned that these things were being deliberately airbrushed out so the public couldn't see it. In the book, I include one uh, photo that has been leaked out, and it was presented as a slide because there's uh, very detailed information across the top and across the bottom um, of the um, 
um, photo. Let me pull this up because I'll give you the exact words. While you're, while you're pulling it up, again, I have with me Mary, jo uh, Mary Joyce. Uh, she's an investigative journalist. Her new book is called Spy in the Sky, Secrets and Cover-Ups on Earth and Beyond. And we're talking moon, Mars, Antarctica, ocean floors, NASA missions, Clark McClellan, Warner von Braun, everything. Um, but uh, sorry, I just wanted to, for new people that might have joined, I wanted to tell them what was going on. But um, go ahead. You All right, I've got the photo in front of me now, the one that was leaked out. And like I said, there's lots of teeny tiny writing across the top and the bottom of this um, uh, photo slide. Uh, you can, the airbrushing was actually kind of primitive because you can see where the street marks are, where they were covering up this tower. It's really very obvious. Um, but I wanted to read two of the phrases on the slide and get them exact. And one said moon tower evidence. The other one said two massive towering structures in terrain covered by tampering applications, which would be, you know, cover-up activities. That is uh, one of the <clears throat> few things you can find um, that, that show that this was then deliberately covered up. And um, um, Donna Hare, um, I guess she, anyhow, let's, I got a condensed story so they don't get boring. Uh, a man who was a guard at NASA was also responsible for burning um, uh, NASA photos that had UFOs in them. And one was so interesting that he stopped to take a long look at it. He was knocked out by a military guard's um, rifle butt because, and he wasn't supposed to be taking a long look at those photos. He was simply supposed to burn them. Um, so that's the extent they will go to to keep uh, some of these things from us. Yeah. Um, have you heard about uh, that, uh, the, the things we've heard, like that in a lot of UFO lore, that there are cities on the dark side of the moon and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. And I, I don't doubt that they're true. It's, it's almost impossible to prove now. Like I have gotten actually a whole lot more pictures of Mars and more that I've talked about um, because they haven't had decades and decades of trying to cover this stuff up. Yeah. Um, also, the moon is considerably smaller than Mars. So let me ask you this. Like, what, how much activity do you think is going on out in space? Do you think there's a lot of stuff going on, obviously, that we don't know about between moon, Mars, and wherever else they're going with this secret space program? Okay, let's jump way out into deep space and talk about uh, some UFO pictures that are in the book that I promise you have not been published anywhere else except on our website. And... Um, I'll give you the backstory on this because it's probably important. Uh, in 2013, I was contacted by a man. His name is Mark Padmos. He lives in the Netherlands. And he was taking NASA photos, which you and I can find on, on um, using the internet ourselves. But he had the ability, computer technology, to clear up the debris and the interference in photos, blow them up and zoom in, get rid of any interference. And... There are humongous UFOs around the sun. All of them that he was able to send me pictures of uh, are bigger than Jupiter. Uh, there are some that are as big as the width of the sun, which I think is 
something like well, like 800 and let's see, well past 800,000 miles across in diameter. So these things are humongous. And um, we ended up, he communicated with me from 2013 till 2015, and then it all stopped. And I tried to reach him by email. There was no luck. His YouTube channel was never updated again. Uh, I tried several different ways to find out what had happened to him. I don't know if he died. I don't know if he just lost interest, but there's always the chance that he was um, threatened to quit doing what he was doing because he was revealing stuff that our government anyhow doesn't want people to know. Uh, these, uh, the detail on these uh, UFOs is incredible. Uh, I'll, I'll try to give you a visual example. If you were to see a blurry picture of a, clair well, let's say a saxophone, you know, it has all those different keys and all the different kinds of shapes on it. Well, he was able to zoom in and these UFOs are seen with the clarity of, a, um, of looking at a, a saxophone or a, um, a clarinet. You can see all the keys. They're metal, uh, very, very intricate. Uh, they're in strange shapes. Uh, we, he ended up calling one the Flying Phoenix because it looked like a Flying Phoenix and we called it the Flying Phoenix Hotel. <clears throat> and then after that, we found another, or he found, I found it on my own, but he found it and was able to get it better. And um, that we called the uh, Flying Isis Hotel. And again, tremendous detail. There's another one that looks like a T-shape like this, but then there's this zigzag line that goes out like this for like forever. But when he zoomed in on that, <clears throat> it was like um, it was like one of these poles that you can pull out one, you know, an extension like an extension pole. And every segment has incredible details. There's nothing like this I've seen anywhere on the internet. Those pictures alone are worth um, getting the book because um, the internet just won't show them to you. I was going to say in this book, it's that you said uh, we, we, at the beginning of the podcast, we said it, but we'll say it again. There's a lot of pictures in this, right? You made sure to put all but three pages, all but three pages. And almost all of those pictures are in color. So um, that's true of the ones around the sun, these humongous monsters. Uh, I mean, we can't even fathom a spaceship that's bigger than Jupiter and Jupiter is our largest planet. We can't fathom something out there in space flying around our sun that is bigger or has a bigger longer line than uh, the width of our of our sun that is huge i mean the human mind has trouble comprehending some of this yeah yeah and do you think they cloak obviously they obviously have to be right they couldn't they, they don't have to they don't have to cloak when they're out there if you follow this it's the nasa soho uh satellite feed um i the soho satellite monitors the sun all the time it takes a picture every 15 seconds or 15 minutes and you can get access to that you can find it yourself and some days i'll check in on it and it's mostly it's uninteresting every once in a while you'll see one of these things like he was talking about except not with the clarity not with the zoom in ability not not as convincingly as when they're cleaned up and many of the the streaks that you see around the sun in the soho photos uh, people would dismiss as just a, um, I don't know, um, a comet zipping through the sky. But when you zoom in on it, it has mechanical structure that is very, very detailed. And so um, 
there's just so much that we actually still can discover using Google Earth. And I would encourage any curious person to start doing it. You will not instantly have success because I like I have no idea how much time I've spent just scooting around um, these places. And every once in a while, you get lucky. That's amazing. Now, I wanted to move to Antarctica because you said you found some stuff on Antarctica. And I, I find Antarctica really interesting. I know there's a lot of different stuff I've talked about on my show that went on there. Um, uh, but go ahead. What did, what did you find in Antarctica? All right. There's a gal named Mary Hall. It's confusing because my name is Mary Joyce, but Mary Hall um, is a woman in her early 50s that prematurely had a stroke. And so she's been, she's improved tremendously, but at one point she was pretty much confined to her bed. And so she began using Google Earth. And one of the things that she did was start scanning um, Antarctica. And uh, I think she did, did this just about a year ago. She started seeing if she could find anything. She's the one that got me on the track for this. And what she did was she found this after she took it four months to find anything. And she found this like a black crack in the ice in Antarctica, but she didn't stop there. She zoomed into it. And what did she found? These square cut uh, building shapes that are spread out like a city. Not only are they like in a box of boxes, but they spread out like cities on our own planet spread out, like a city will spread out around a, along a river or it'll, they'll start to take on a very organic shape, but they have this square structure. Shit for getting me on this path. After she did that, um, I started doing it myself. And ultimately between the two of us, I think we found at least five different cities um, in Antarctica. This is incredibly significant because Antarctica, according to most scientists, has been covered in ice for 34 million years. So because things are melting fast now, these extremely ancient cities are beginning to be revealed. And by comparison, we think of the um, Great Sphinx, um, as, or the, as being, or the Great Pyramid as being like really, really old. Well, that's only like 5,000 years old or maybe less than 5,000 years old. Compare that to 34 million. It's just incredible that these things are being found now. One of the reasons is not only global warming, but if you look at Antarctica with uh, the United States to the north of that, then the west side of Antarctica has the longest, largest string of volcanoes in the world. There's 138 of them. And they're all in a line. And the one at the top which, and the one at the bottom are still uh, constantly active. One of them has um, a lava um, center that's always molten. It, it, it erupts and throws out rocks and things like that with some regularity. Um, so we're finding all sorts of ancient things in Antarctica, not just the cities, but I find the cities the most remarkable. Uh, they have found um, dinosaur bones. Uh, they have found the remnants of uh, tropical forest. So 34 million years ago, Antarctica was quite a different place. Well, I, I've, heard, I've heard that the Nazis went somewhere in Antarctica 
to a tropical part of it where they found like that's where I guess like base 211 was this is like UFO <laughs> UFO ufology lore again like I don't know if you ever well, heard the story you know you hear uh, Von Braun Von Braun absolutely said that he said that a um, essentially a Shangri-La for Hitler was built in Antarctica those structures down there were for the most part built in old lava tubes and then they just expanded upon them so um yes that's, that's true city. it's been confirmed i'm sorry it wasn't a tropical city there's not a tropical part there's not a part of antarctica that breaks off and it's tropical or maybe underground or something you're saying this was built in a lava structure you're saying that what from everything that i know from what von braun has said the Nazis built something beneath the surface of Antarctica. They called it Shangri-La. Uh, it it's not like part of an ancient tropical forest. An environment has been created beneath the ground. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Now, do we have any proof that there's anything going on, like uh, UFOs in Antarctica or um, anything like that? Because I've heard people say they've, they've, heard, they've had, saw pictures of UFOs in Antarctica before. Okay, uh, one of the other things I found in Antarctica, and this may interest you more than the ancient cities, um, was I found two entrances into Mars. And what makes it fascinating is that these entrances, again, are big enough, especially one of them, it's about 300 feet across, big enough for a craft to fly into. I posted those two entrances on the Skyships over Cashers website uh, within the day or two it's like somebody took a big bottle of black India ink and poured it all over it so you could no longer see it. So if anybody finds something interesting, there is a key on your <clears throat> computer keyboard. It will take a picture of the screen, hit that if you find something and save it because uh, it, it may not stay there forever. Um, after that was covered up with India ink, um, then the Google Earth image had two things. One said hollow Earth entrance one, hollow earth entrance two. Uh, they're kind of in alignment with each other horizontally. And then they even went further. Not only did they cover it up with black ink, um, they went a step further at a later point and it just became a snowfield. And you can't even tell anything was ever there. I have pictures of those entrances um, in the book. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, one other thing you mentioned was that you found stuff on ocean floors, too. Can you talk about that? All right. Um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I first learned about this possibility back in 2014 when somebody discovered uh, a major structure off of Malibu, California. And I have a picture of that. I have more than one picture of it. It's huge. Um, I measured the top of the roof. It's three, at least three miles wide. Uh, when you see it from the side view, the, the roof is very thick. Um, I've not been able to measure that with my ability, but it's said to be like 500 feet thick. And then there's these huge pillars. They're like 600 feet tall that hold up this roof. Well, that got me started. And over time, I, I cruised the coast from Alaska down to Baja Peninsula. And if I remember correctly, I think I found eight different structures uh, that are very, very ancient. And they're very, very large. There's one that's off the coast of um, uh, Coronado Island. That 
island is two and a half, roughly two and a half miles in length. Immediately to the west of it is one of these ruins. And that section of it is double that length. It's about five miles in length. And it looks like there are um, porticos all around it. Um, again, we're talking about something humongous. Again, I have pictures of all this. It's not, um, you know, and, I, and again, I have coordinates so people can go dive in the water with their Google Earth and um, find find these things themselves. And, and there's a lot of people that are ba that back you up on this because I, I interviewed Debbie Ziegelmeyer. She's a MUFON representative. Um, she wrote a book recently and it's called The Alien Colonization, Col excuse me, The Alien Colonization of Earth's Waterways. And she's talking about like, uh, you know, and what's interesting is later on, I have a video with Carolyn Corey who went out on the, where the Nimitz encounter was and off of set Catalina Island in California. It seems like a lot of this activity seems to stem around California, like these islands off California. And this is where the UFOs go. It seems like they, they go, they dive into the water. They can go from air to water, like nothing. Uh, it's very strange. Um, they're there all the time. That's, they were there the, 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 so God, I'm tongue tied. But when the Nimitz encounter happened, when the Tic Tac happened, they weren't just seeing Tic Tac crap. They were seeing other UFOs leading up to that for days. You know what I mean? So people can say it's a government craft, this, that, but it's there's something more, way more mysterious going on with UFOs that I don't even, I, I do realize we have some reverse engineered craft, but there's something way bigger going on that I don't even think humanity can comprehend. Maybe our government can because they have, but I don't even know if they can because the UAP task force seemed lost, you know, so it's, it's, it's a big mystery. It's so hard to, it's so hard to comprehend, right? You know what I mean? It's so, there's a lot going on, you know, I know, I'm not saying I know the answers. I don't, I'm far from, I'm not, I don't want anybody to think that I'm here preaching that UFOs are this and UFOs are that, because I don't know. All I can do is I can provide you guys with people I interview and what they're saying. And, and that's the best thing I can do, you know, like, but, uh, cause I don't want my fans to say, Oh, well, he said UFOs are this, or he said UFOs are that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, this is what I I've heard, you know, and then that's all I'm saying. But what do you think of all that? What I just said. You said a lot just then, but you're taking the right approach. You really are taking, you're taking a journalistic approach, which is where you present the information while you're learning something. You're also helping your audience learn things. And uh, unless you have firsthand experience, you have to make those attributions to the people who've had those firsthand experiences. And um, again, I encourage people not only to find these things in this picture book that I produced, but to use the um, Google Earth themselves. I sound like I'm pushing Google Earth, but I guess I am. Um, no monetary benefit at all, but I think people can find it very interesting. And we need to, we, all of us need to push the boundaries of our mind out because the universe is beyond what we're allowing ourselves to consider. And um, your shows like yours help people um, discover some of that. Yeah, well, um, do you want to tell people again, even though I said you can tell people the name of the book, where they can find it and uh, your website and all that stuff. And thank you, Mary, this was amazing. Okay, will do. The, the short title is Spy in the Sky. The long title is Spy in the Sky, Secrets and Cover-Ups on Earth and Beyond. 
Uh, the easiest way to find it on Amazon is simply write in Spy in the Sky with my name, Mary Joyce. Uh, that's the quickest way to get to it. Spy in the Sky, Mary Joyce. The website, which is really what made me get into all of this, was the research I did for it. It's called skyshipsovercashers.com. And the first three words are easy to spell, skyships over. Uh, the last word is cashers. And cashers is spelled like a cashier at the grocery store. It's the name of a mountaintop town here in uh, North Carolina. It's where we first began seeing so many UFOs. So we started posting it. The, U the website's gone way beyond UFOs. We now do underground bases and little people and Bigfoot and um, you know almost anything that comes to mind. But it was the research for that website that got me into what ultimately became a book, which I didn't know was going to become a book. Well, also, I wanted to add that you don't just have this book. You have, we, we, you've come on my show before, and you have the book Underground Military Base in North Carolina. You have the book Cherry, Cherokee Little People Were Real, uh, the book on Jesus, Tangible Evidence for Jesus, and the book Bigfoot, Beyond the Footprints, which is your most, before this book, that was your most recent book. And I thought that was a really good book, right? Uh, that was a new that too that takes a whole different angle than what uh, you normally see about Bigfoot. People seem to like to be scared and they like to see Bigfoot as a monster. Uh, this book shows what I will call the good human side of Bigfoot. They have families, they have language. Um, they, uh, they're quite interesting creatures. And we, we did all sorts of things, um, you know, um, putting food out for them and seeing what they like and didn't like. Um, I've been to uh, several of where their caves are. Um, I've seen footprints all over the place. Um, it, it's just incredible, the, the kind of things that we've seen. Let me ask you this, and I ask everybody I, that comes on my show this, and, and this is the, the, the interesting thing about Bigfoot. Like, how do you think they, they how do you think they end up being so, uh, they avoid man so much are they just that um supernatural or is there a supernatural aspect to them or there's two sides on whether they're supernatural or not so neither you or i are going to absolutely determine that i've talked to both sides on that one but they have great telepathic ability um one of the men who became friends with the bigfoot you know a face-to-face -face kind of relationship with with them uh he learned that uh, human beings are, we're kind of loud and our fears get broadcast and uh, we're like a megaphone in the that we're there. They, um, that's why they, these uh, shows like uh, Chasing Bigfoot are, are probably never going to be successful because the Bigfoot simply know they're there way in advance and uh, they're not going to get caught. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, um, this was amazing. And uh, I, I, I want to thank you again. This was amazing. And um, for all you guys watching this, come back to my channel tonight at 8 p.m. And you'll see that interview I did with Carolyn Corey about uh, the Terror in the Sky documentary, which is a UFO, new to UFO documentary. But check out Mary's book. Uh, it's called A Spy in the Sky, Secrets and Cover-Ups on Earth and Beyond. And like she said, there's photos and everything. And is there anything you want to say to the audience before we take off? Uh, no, I'm really glad at what you're doing, what the information you constantly are putting out there for people. And I hope more and more people begin to follow you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll do this again soon. Thanks. Mary. All right. All right. Uh, take care. All right. Have a good night. Bye.